0: city it's your man big pat the voice of your charlotte hornets and you're listening to the all hornets podcast network presented by sports illustrated With our
2: fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts
0: on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: You are listening to Inside the Hive on the All Hornets Podcast Network. Me and Chase are back. Week on, still the off season. Nothing has happened since we last spoke. But Chase, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. We are in the midst of the dog days of summer right now. I mean, Mm -hmm. there is quite literally nothing going on. I got a Woj tweet on my phone minutes before starting to record this podcast. I was like, oh, cool. And it was Moses Brown signing a partially guaranteed contract with the Trailblazers. So that is what we're getting excited over here now in in late August. But we're only like a little bit over a month away from training camps opening. So things are going to start picking up here pretty soon.
1: Hopefully, and I mean, for those who like watching international basketball, FIBA World Cup, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, no Charlotte Hornets participating, unfortunately. Um, in fact, here's a good question. Uh, Lamella Ball, if he was healthy, do you think Lamella Ball is, is part of the team? Keep in mind, Trey Young and Jar Morant, maybe for other reasons, are not part of the team, and are both play the same position. Do you, do you think Lamella would be on it?
2: I'm not sure, honestly. I've kind of mm-hmm. wondered that myself a little bit. He's never done anything Team USA related in his career, to my knowledge. So, I mean, for whatever reason this may be, I'm sure there's many, you know, political off-court type reasons as to why one would not be a member of the national team, like group, even the select team or like a a national team itself that goes and plays at the Olympics or FIBA. Um, But I I don't know. He's never done it before. So I, I, I wouldn't really I guess I wouldn't think that he would. Be on the team, if even if he were fully healthy this summer.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, when the rosters first got announced, I thought, oh well, Amal Ball would would definitely, if he was healthy, like because he he wouldn't do it because of his ankle. But if he was, he would definitely be in the running. But the more I think about it, and the more the way I see they've put this Team USA team together, like they've they've kind of picked guys who are like have experience of playing as part part of a role, you know, in a team. It's not just uh, like uh, a bunch of showy off all-stars. You know, they've got guys like Walker Kessler, Josh Hart, um, Austin Reeves, guys who've been been able to play without the ball. And that's something that I think LaMelo can do. But Lamelo's always been, he's always been like the guy on any team he's been on. He's always been the guy, apart from when he was really young and he was playing with his brothers. And I I do wonder if there'll be some hesitation from Team USA. Like, can he buy into what we're trying to do here? Um, it's it's a shame in some respects because how often do we hear about these Team USA bonding camps in like free agency in 2027 when Anthony Edwards and Tyrese Halliburton team up and we find out it all started over in, you know, uh, Manila, <laughs> the FIBA World Cup back in 2023. <laughs> so it's a shame from that perspective. But I found myself wondering and questioning and uh, I-, I hope he does. I hope he gets invited to a camp, you know, maybe next year, head of the Olympics or... Hopefully he has a good season. And I hope he's not on the outside like a Trey Young where they obviously just view Trey Young as like a ball-dominant guy who just can't fit into anything else. And I, I do think Lamella is different. I think he plays a very differently, even though some may compare them because of some of the flashy passes.
2: Yeah, and I think he's already kind of proven that his game isn't only translatable to like an American style of basketball. I mean, he played in the mm. NBL – Granted, he didn't play a ton of games because he ended up getting hurt there as well pre-draft. But I mean, his his style fit perfectly in that league. Like he was just as good of a playmaker as he was at other stages of his career. Showed the same flashes that people pretty much thought he would going into that season. So I I definitely agree that he would be a a good asset to the team USA. You know, kind of not not even necessarily just the one national team, but even just the group of like twenty five or thirty players that go and participate in the scrimmages yeah. and around the select team and whatnot leading great
1: up great experience for him he takes he learns right. so much like just being part of that environment being around other great players being around you know like a really serious winning program it would be so great for his development i hope he gets a chance in the future
2: right like every single good coach in the league basically yeah that is is american is with team usa so that would it would be a great experience. I, I too hope he gets to do that at some point here. But we need we need a healthy off season first. So cross our fingers.
1: Absolutely. And um, as for today's episode, I, Chase, nothing has. Uh, we we last potted on like Wednesday. Nothing has happened. I I actually don't know what we're going to talk about for this next forty five minutes. I mean, if that's not a sell right here, like I don't know. But there's there's just really not that much going on. Um, so I'm I'm gonna go get a drink. And maybe when I come back you can think of some ideas, okay?
2: Yeah, alright. I'll I'll brainstorm here with the with the listeners on we'll come up with something before the before you get back here. No worries. Oh, oh hold on. You want me you want me to pick it up, James?
0: Yeah, pick it up. I... Right. Hello Hey Joyce! it's it's niche group check How, how's your summer
2: mitch my summer's going great How, how's your summer been plenty plenty of golf i hope
0: yeah it's been it's been a lot going on you know in the summer you you have the draft first right and and then after the draft you have free agency where you, you can sign some players and retain some players and let some players go and and then and then summer league in vegas and and the new owners so it's it's been a busy summer, but th- thanks for taking my call. Um, you know, I-, I prefer the landline. So thank you for taking a call from a landline number. I, I like to give my wrist a workout, you know. Uh, but Chase, we're, we're, uh, we're at a bit of a loss here for off season, And we're wondering if you and James can give us some advice, you know, for the, for the rest of the offseason. Um, we're just going to hand it over to you.
2: Oh Mr. Krupchak, you know I'm full of advice on what sort of transactions the Hornets could, should and maybe will make in the upcoming months here. Uh, I mean, now that I got my well, I got my friend James here. James, it looks like you came back from from getting your drink. I'm I'm yeah. glad you got back here just in time. I, I just got off the phone with with Mitch Krupchak, so I think we have we have the reins of the simulated Charlotte Hornets here for the rest of the off season. We get to do
0: whatever well, we want wow like we, we, okay. i think uh, he's off, he's off
2: he's off at the links for the next couple months until training camp opens so
1: it sounds I, like this is this is this our great our golfing and uh, golfing and tennis time of year who can blame mitch right um well yeah i mean i wish you'd given us full control before they'd done everything and <laughs> we could do hey, a little that, bit that's more, true but,
2: that would have been nice but i mean you can't have everything chooses right yeah. right exactly
1: absolutely so we're in control of the rest of Charlotte's offseason. I guess, where do you you think we should start, Chase?
2: So, I mean, if we were to take over, which we are, the only really thing that you can do to actually recoup any serious assets right now, because Hornets roster is pretty much full. Basically, every free agent that is anything close to a rotation player in the NBA has been signed already. And many of the big trades have already been made, too. Apart from you know the big ones in Damian Lillard and James Harden, um, really the only way the Hornets can get anything back is by signing trading PJ Washington to another team, uh, and you know trying to get whatever they can out of that sort of deal. Even though that means giving up PJ, you can obviously get somebody good back for PJ because he has established himself as a high quality NBA rotation player over the last couple of years, and. I mean, at this point, it's probably going to be available for a pretty reasonable long-term salary contract extension. So where do you think we should start here, James? Are there any teams that like stand out to you as reasonable partners for this kind of deal, like this late in the offseason? I feel like the framework, like at least conceptually, is when Laurie Markinen was signed and traded from the Cavs to the Jazz, like very late in that offseason. Um, so I, I feel like there's at least or sign, no, sorry, sign, not sign it. Sorry, we can we can edit that out. He was signed late in the offseason by the Cleveland Cavaliers to that extension. I think it was in like maybe even like already in like mid September by that point. By the time him and the Cavs came to an agreement, obviously PJ would be coming to an agreement with another team here. But is there any team that jumps out that might you know be willing to put themselves in that sort of situation?
1: So I I, I went through. I think there's a lot of teams that could use a PJ Washington. Um, Whether PJ wants to sign there as a, like knowing what his role will be, it feels like PJ wants to probably be in a starting role. Um, And I would understand that because as soon as you go into a backup role, your numbers go down, your salary is probably going to go down unless you land yourself in a really unique winning situation. And a lot of those really good championship situations probably aren't available to him at this point in the off season. Uh, But a couple of teams that stood out to me, were Dallas and the Washington Wizards. Um, Dallas have already signed Grant Williams, and I can hear people saying, well, why would they sign PJ Washington? Well, they just don't have a lot of talent in the front court right now. They got uh, JaVale McGee, Rishon Holmes, Derek Lively, Dwight Powell as centers. They got Maxi Kleber as a power forward. That's their main number four guy at the minute. Obviously, traded way Dorian Finney Smith. He's from the Dallas area, so probably has an affinity for it. So Dallas is a team who kind of is going all in here, who I thought could be interested. And there's a couple different frameworks of trades that I thought could work uh, with Dallas. Um, Or the other one was Washington, who are tanking, can just like take the risk of throwing probably like bigger money than most at P.J. Washington, can probably actually offer him a pretty good role. Um, And he could just go in and play a lot for them, score a lot for them, um, and kind of really get to kind of probably play a similar role to what he did last season, really on Charlotte. Um, so those are the two teams who I thought kind of stood out to me PJ Washington and I, and I had deals for both. So yeah, happy to happy to go whichever one you want to discuss first. Hmm.
2: You know what you, you, you hit me with the one that you think is like your favorite of the two. And then okay. we'll go well, from there.
1: There is one issue with one, the deal that I kind of like, which I'll come on okay. to. Let's start with Washington. Um, I'm just gonna say, Coach M, what do we think about Frank Nilakina as the backup point guard in this team?
2: Yeah, not into it. You know, no. I, I I tried to reason with it at first, just because like a you know late off season depth signing, because I mean this is kind of a no strings attached thing, uh, as I'm sure yeah. we're about two hundred k
1: guaranteed out of his yeah. like two point five million if waived before October first, I think it is. So you can basically move on from him for free. And he's right. just picked up a hamstring injury that's ruled him out of the FIBA World Cup. Exactly.
0: So he, 12, who knows
1: so how so. serious that hamstring could be. So I think at this point, like, I, I didn't mind. I actually like Frank as, like, a deep rotation wing player, but as the backup point guard, I'm not sold. So I think at this point, with Bryce McGowan's on the wing, uh, Nick Smith, who can play some two, uh, Cody Martin coming back. Uh, let's move on from Nick Smith. Can we just wave him and get that done? Because I think that's important for, for any P.J. Washington deal to free up some roster spots.
2: Yes, I agree. Frank Aquina, just the yeah. 200k in dead cap, very insignificant figure. Yeah, we can move on from him. I okay, think, less than a month after signing, but
1: yeah, that's happens. fine. The hamstring injury—that's I'll right. take it out, right? Yeah. Um, and and that leaves the roster at 13 with PJ Washington pending. So the deal I'm looking at is I want a good backup point guard, and I want one that I can rely on with Lameda Ball's injury history um someone who can potentially be here longer term and i'm eyeing up tyus jones for the washington wizards who's on a one-year 40 million dollar deal kind of good strong backup money but he has proven to be one of the best backups in the league in memphis over the last few years um and i think he would just be a guy who could even if Lamelo did get injured again the offense would not crater like it did last season so Now, the only issue with potentially trading for Tyus Jones is that you can't extend him. And he's a free agent next summer. And that's the real issue. If you could extend him, I'd be all up for trading for him and do it. But I was looking at a sign and trade of PJ Washington and James Bucknight for, and you could take for James Bucknight in or out the trade. It depends how we as co-GMs view Bucknight. Do we want to just move them on to kind of free up a roster spot or actually do we want to hold on to them for now? That's that's your call. But again, Washington could be a, a decent landing spot where he can get playing time and no pressure. But P.J. Washington, James Bucknight, for Tyus Jones and a second-round pick, which if you actually look through Charlotte, don't have loads of second-round picks going forward. It feels like they should because of that uh, the trade that ended up uh, being, was it... Uh, uh, Jalen duran the Jalen duran trade in detroit mm-hmm. they traded basically for four four seconds but they've ended up moving a few around moving up here and there so what do you make of that ties jones for p Ty's jones in a second for pj washington and james book Knight, if you want
2: so i think i mean as co-gm i'm definitely with you on maybe moving on from book as well to open up another one of those roster spots we can really kind of tailor this team to how we see fit going into training camp here. I definitely like Tyus Jones too. I, the only thing is like, I just, I I really do kind of worry about guards that are that undersized. I know he's been like a very good player over the years, but, and like you said, if you can't extend him, a, a one year rental is fine in certain cases, but I think if you're giving up PJ, you'd probably want more than a one year rental in return. Um, but then again, there is you run the risk of if PJ accepting the qualifying offer eventually, and then he essentially turns into pr- a pretty strong risk of being a one-year rental. So mm-hmm. it, it's yeah, that's that's pretty tough. I, th- I think I think I do like Tyus Jones enough as a player to you know yeah. kind of overlook anything that might any long-term concerns about like the size or his contract or anything like that. To well,
1: bring we him can into circle back there's obviously yeah. other deals on the table here. That that's maybe one which I think would make sense for Washington as well. You know, they've got guys Yeah, they got done. a lot of guards too. Yep, they got a lot of guards. They got Delham right still, they got Jordan Poole. Um, let's let's move on to my Dallas one. Um this one's maybe a little bit trickier because it depends how Dallas feels about Maxi Kleber. But it is just a a straight swap of PJ Washington signing trade for Maxi Kleber. Um, Maxi Kleber is thirty one, I think. Um, he's got three years, 11 million left in his contract. So he had a down year last year, struggled with injuries. And you're basically making a bet here that last year was a one-off. He battled through injuries and that he'll be healthier and better for the next three years. And they're getting a younger, maybe more reliable option in PJ Washington, who maybe isn't quite as good defensively, but can do some more things on offense. Um, it's a bit of a a swap for swap. If Dallas just feel that Maxi's best days are behind him. Um, but that's another option that I looked at as well.
2: I do like the idea of getting a big man back yeah. if the Hornets sign and trade PJ Washington here, because they're kind of sneakily not going to have a ton of depth in the front court if PJ Washington is signed and traded and they don't get a big back for him. Total the only guys on the that, you're, right, like the only guys on the that you're gonna have that can play even the four are really are Hayward, Miles Bridges, and JT Thor. Because Kai Jones, Mark Williams and Nick Richards are strict fives. So you are taking away a lot of versatility in lineups with PJ because you can go small with PJ, you can put him at the 4 alongside any of those centers and pretty much anybody on the wing as well. Uh you you kind of are you're pigeonholing yourself a lot into like Mark Williams and then Miles Bridges or Nick and then Nick Richards and JT Thor to be able to maximize like your scoring and spacing and yeah. defense in the front court. So it, it's pretty important I think that you either get one back for him, or you sign one on the free agent market that's going to be able to replace some of that versatility that PJ brings. Yeah,
1: and Maxi can play the four and the five, right? And I think the five exactly. position also isn't the deepest. You Mark Williams, Nick Richards, yeah. But let's say one of those goes down, you're suddenly relying on Kai Jones playing like night in, you know, night in night out rotation minutes, which I know fans would probably be keen to see. But just judging off summer league, he doesn't look like he's necessarily absolutely ready for that yet. So Maxi Kleber is a guy who can slide over and like like PJ Washington did at times, but probably even bigger and can do that more. Um, and he can play the five as well. So that's why it's like it's a veteran, more of a win now move. But my my only worry is if Dallas are willing to do that deal, then they know probably Maxi Kleber's health worries are so you know worse that they're like yeah, let's get rid of Maxi, bring in PJ. Then you kind of be questioning, oh, if they're so motivated to do this, maybe this isn't the right move for us. So that that is something that again will cross my mind.
2: Yeah and I mean I think a lot of this depends on what you're going to end up paying PJ too. Like what at this point I feel like if you're trading him to another team, do you th- it's got to be something between like 12 and 15 million dollars a year, I'd imagine. I, was I don't thinking know more. if anybody's. You think so? Like maybe uh, maybe closer to like 18 or something like that. Yeah,
1: I was thinking around the 18 figure. Um you know, look for him him looking kind of not far of getting what he wants, like something with maybe some incentives. It's like a base of 16, right. but some like likely incentives to get up to 18. That's what that's what I was thinking. Um, but yeah. I, I did have one other wildcard team, which was oh, OKC, okay. who don't really have like a traditional power forward on the roster, depending how you view Chet Holmgren. Um, but they could really use a guy and he kind of fit the age of their core as well. Um, an outside shooter, a and a more experienced big. And they have so many picks. I mean, I didn't even write down the trade. You could do them for Davis Bertons, you could do them for Victor the you could do them for Michich, the backup point guard. You could just do them for picks. Like, um, there's loads of routes there if, if OKC just wanted to use up some of those picks that they've been absolutely you know holding for the last three two or three years.
2: That would be good too. And I mean they're obviously we've seen it over the last couple of days as they've released Ty Ty Washington and Usman Garuba to 2021 draft picks that they had just traded for yeah. recently last season, Crazy. but um, or at over the off season, but
1: there's, those yeah, used to rocket a- scouts who work that draft. I, I can't see them keeping them on the team anymore after you use no. two first round picks on those guys. And they're getting waived out the NBA within two seasons. That's a, that's some right. red flag scouting right there.
2: Yeah, that definitely tells you a lot about what the league thinks of them, unfortunately, is that... Mm. And, I mean, it seems, Ty Ty Washington did not get claimed on waivers. I don't know if Usman Garuba will either. We'll see in the next couple of days, I would imagine. But, I mean, OKC is clearly in a roster crunch right now. So, even if, you, if they could get off of just one player that would save them from having to cut, like, Isaiah Joe or something, I don't know if they'll have to continue waving uh, players that, you know, are rotation members and whatnot. But, I mean, if, if they can get down to... And get rid of like Oladipo or Bertans or maybe even like Kendrick Williams or somebody that could really play in the – or if you the Hornets attached assets, maybe you could do like P.J. for Washington and Lou Dort and like really bolster your backcourt defense uh, with Lamello and Terry and n- maybe not solve the backcourt or the backup point guard problem, but you're definitely bolstering your backcourt in a much different way, leaning into a certain style that has worked at times with, with Lamello and Terry yeah. alternating ball handling responsibilities there.
1: So those are the deals I have for P.J. on the table. Did you did you have any other P.J. Washington ones you wanted to throw out? And obviously we can discuss resigning him as well, okay? That's another option we, we should come to. But let's let's scour the trademark at first. I think you're right.
2: So the only other team that I thought of, I thought of Dallas as well. That was one that I looked for a deal for. Uh, Sacramento was one that I was pretty mm. drawn to right off of the bat as well. They have, I think, a couple of players that the Hornets would be maybe interested for, or in dealing for, and then at least can match salaries for. But the one that I was most gravitated towards was Kevin Herter. Uh, I think he, again, not necess- doesn't necessarily doesn't solve that backup point guard problem, but just adds another ball handler to the backcourt that can be like a secondary playmaker and can just run some you know half-court offense for you in a pinch, maybe to move Lamelo off the ball or to sit him on the bench for a couple minutes. He can play alongside either LaMelo or Terry. And again, he can in a pinch run the offense for himself. Uh, you could just trade PJ, maybe that 2024 Boston second. And then you could get Kevin Herter back and then tr- basically swap 2024 seconds with the, the one the Hornets have via Boston and then get Sacramento's, which they own for their own or for themselves. And then in tw- you can maybe get another pick in like 2025 or 2026. 20- that's in the second round or something like that, too, for. Taking on the extra couple years of, I think fifteen million dollars in escalating salary for Kevin Herter. So
0: I don't know how
2: that if he'd be PJ Washington
1: is a more valuable player than Kevin Herter on like taking contracts into account.
2: I think probably because if you unless he's you know a lot more per year in like uh, terms of an average annual value contract like nineteen or twenty million dollars, I think PJ just for the size and the defense that he offers is probably going to be a little bit more valuable to just like the average competitive team, even if it's like an extra two or $3 million a year. But I think for the Hornets, like you could definitely reason like Mm. with that Kevin Herter contract being worth it. If you could eventually view yourselves or see yourselves moving on from Terry, like I think he is a definitely a good fit on the team for, you know, slightly above the MLE for the next three years.
1: I agree, but so much to the point that I think with Kevin Herter being locked down for the next three years at less money, I, I think the view around the league will be Kevin Herter is a more valuable player because he is someone who's proven that he can play in a in a winning role situation, maybe in like played in the playoffs, didn't have a great playoffs, but still, you know, he played good minutes. He was above 20, 28 minutes for basically six of the seven playoff games, or five of the seven playoff games. So, that's my only holdup. Is I think SAC want more. I don't know if they want to tamper with that, um, and I think you maybe have to give up like a Cody Martin or something alongside PJ Washington to do that, or give up another pick. That's my that's my only hangup. Because if if you're asking me, I would I would just do it straight up. I, I would give give them the Boston second for Kevin Herter. But maybe that's because I feel about him differently. I, yeah, it'd be it'd be an interesting one. But I think judging from the post in the league, I think maybe they would view him the other way.
2: Yeah, no, that's definitely fair. I mean, maybe I'm a little bit off on what his value might be around the league. I, too, like Kevin Herter quite a bit. I've always thought he's yeah. pretty underrated as a player. Maybe not now because, you know, being in the national spotlight a little bit more with the resurgent Kings and being such a big part of that the last year, he might not be just underrated say that again, anymore. Part but... of
1: the national spotlight with the Sacramento Kings. Right. I'd still, Still just have to say that a couple of times to get used to it, right?
2: I know it's, it's literally like not, not a sentence that a person could have uttered at any point in the last like 20 years up until right now. But that that's going to be us with the, with the Hornets in a couple of years, if not this season with, with how we're turning things around here uh, on this podcast episode ourselves. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I would attach another player to PJ Washington to make that trade go through I or a pick like maybe like we talked about earlier, like, uh, like, you you just give them that Boston second and don't ask for picks back or like you give them like a a lottery protected first that turns into two seconds. And then they give you a a second or something like that. Like just to balance it out a little bit for whatever they'd want. Cause I, I I think Kevin Herter would be a very good fit for this team that wouldn't necessarily add another backup point guard, but probably the best way to solve or alleviate that issue without doing so.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the PJ Washington trade market. What are what are our thoughts on uh, just going back into negotiations to re-sign him?
2: That's not something I'm opposed to either. I mean, all, all along, like throughout, like the actual process that's been going on through this summer, like I, I am willing to overpay PJ Washington a little bit, like to bring him back. Like if if his you know contract demand, like you said, is actually like fifteen to eighteen million rather than like twelve to fifteen million. Like, I think I would probably do that at this point. You, like, unless it's a deal like one of the ones we've just been talking about where you're getting back, like, a bona fide, like, rotation piece for what you hope to be is, like, a playoff push or at least, like, a play-in tournament quality team this year. Like, you kind of need if the PJ, like, or somebody that's coming back that's as good as him. Like, you're not going to be able to just let him go in a sign-and-trade and get, you know, a first and a second back And I think be able to like recover and be the quality playoff team that you want to be without anticipating some like wild leap from like Bryce McGowan's or like Cody Martin coming back healthy and playing all 82 games and being like a extremely high level, like sixth or seventh man or Gordon Hayward being healthy all year and averaging like 19, five and five. Like it just takes a, it would take a lot, I think, to replace the production that you would get from PJ like just by losing him and and not only just this season, but even in the next couple seasons, because then we all, we all know we, the Hornets run the risk of losing miles next summer. And then like, if that happens and if PJ is gone, you don't have a ton of like cap space open to replace him. And like, we've already seen so far that like the Hornets are at first, like before they establish themselves as a team that is like a quality competitive team, on and off the court year in and year out, they're going to have to overpay for these types of players. Like, I feel like you might as well do that with PJ now than putting yourselves like backs against the wall, like they have been at times in the past, and just dishing out these contracts to players that, like, you n- either don't know enough about and don't fit, or like just net aren't straight up like aren't worth like what you've given them from a league perspective. And nobody else would have given them that. And then you can't trade them or something like that. But I that that to me is like the biggest reason to just sign him to avoid that entirely and like it but the biggest thing about like owning or like running a basketball team is like taking risks and this like I think in a way like it both is taking a risk because you're overpaying him quote unquote and giving him like more than what another team seemingly is willing to do so but you're also like mitigating risk in a lot of ways and you're at least keeping a high level player that you could trade for something down the line if he doesn't fit even if it's like, you know, 18 million instead of 14 and a half where you were negotiating originally. What what are what are your thoughts on on extending him and just the general the idea of like having to maybe overpay a little bit for somebody that's PJ's quality of player to just to get them to stay in Charlotte.
1: The the danger of just overpaying now is you set the market for what you do if you want to get paid by Charlotte, right? Going forward for a restricted free agent. You take it deep into the summer, you kick up enough of a fuss and, you know, eventually they will, they'll kind of bend and they'll, they'll give in and they'll pay you. And there'll be other people watching that. Um, Can you play PJ Washington's agent for a minute here? And I'm going to, I'm going to go into some, some contract talks and see, see what you think of this. So PJ, PJ, Um, right. Congrats on getting engaged, by the way. this summer, PJ Washington. Congrats. Um, we're going to pay you eighteen million per year, PJ Washington. That's the offer we're going to make as the Charlotte Hornets. You're going to have contract incentives based around games started, which will take you up to like nineteen million per year. So straight away, if you start, let's say, over half the games in the season, you'll get over nineteen million per year, and also. It's going to be a three year deal, 20 million per year. And for years two and three, they're going to be non guaranteed. And I know you might say, well, that's no good for me. But if you were willing to take the qualifying offer this year for 8.5 million, why not just sign the deal for three years? You get 20 million for this upcoming season, which is fully guaranteed, uh, instead of eight. So you make 12 million. And then even if we do waive you as a non-guaranteed deal, then you're back out in the free agent market and you've got how you wanted it. You're a rest- unrestricted free agent. And at the same time, you've got that 20 million in that year instead of eight. So you've basically got 12 million for being a free agent next year. But obviously, Charlotte have final say. So they can bring you back. Um, and worst case scenario, you play a backup role this upcoming season. You only start, you know, 15 games while Miles Bridges is out. But you play well enough, we want to keep you. You would be making 18 million per year for the next three seasons, including this one coming up. How do you feel about that, as PJ's agent?
2: So I think right off the bat, if I was an agent, I would want either the games played incentive taken away or the non guaranteed years taken. Like I I think you'd do one mm-hmm. or the other. Like, not give the games played incentive. Cause like we can assume like right off the bat he's going to get 10 games started at the beginning of the season, right? Like, unless yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Brandon Miller is just no. a god amongst men in preseason, like, he's going to start the first 10 games of the season. Absolutely. So then he, he, has, he has that chunk of the season at least blocked off, which is possible for him to reach that, but it would almost certainly take another injury, which... I don't know if you'd want to bank on someone else getting hurt to reach a contract incentive from an agent. Well,
1: PJ, if you want 20 million per year, you need to come in and fight for your role in camp over the season. Oh, absolutely. Win the, that is true.
2: That's true. But that, I think, is where the non guaranteed years come in. It's like you can not do the games played incentive, give the full 20 million, 18, whatever this year, and then just do the the next couple of years non guaranteed. And if that does happen this year, then you can just keep him. And if it doesn't, the Hornets can cut ties. He can go find a better situation at the end of the year. No, no harm done for really either side because PJ would have gotten paid, and the Hornets would have had at least one year of him, maybe him not being as quite what they thought they were getting for eighteen million dollars a year, but at least like somebody that is the first, second, third guy off the bench and is your best backup forward on the team. So,
1: so if that we that's... took away the games played incentives and it was just let's call it uh, nineteen per year. The, the last two years are non-guaranteed, which I know this is unique, right? You don't often see contracts mm-hmm. signed with your own kind of restrictive free agents with non-guarantees, but we're into a unique situation now, deep into the off-season, there's an impasse. And this is where I think probably talks are really around at the minute. It's about, well, if we paid you that, what things do we have to protect us on the other side? There'll be, you know, debating about incentives and non-guarantees And that's why, you know, team options, player options, that's the kind of thing that I think both sides will be negotiating now, even if they can't find a figure, it's, well, even if we disagree on the figures, can we try and figure out some terms that we agree with?
2: You want to hear an interesting PJ Washington stat that I want to, since I have his agent hat on right now, especially, that I I want to throw on the table here uh, while I was doing my research for this podcast. So, there were only 6 players in the league last season that eclipsed 15 points, 1 block and 0.9 steals per game. It's quite a quite a cherry pick threshold, but basically it's 15 points, 1 block and 1 steal per game. Do you want to know who those 6 players are?
1: Andrew Wiggins, is he
2: one? Ooh, Andrew Wiggins is not one. That's a very oh. good guess actually, now that I think about it, but he's not on the list. Like I okay. if Hit if me. you had made me guess, he probably would have been on there, but All right, so Shea Gilgis alexander Very impressive, by the way, that Shea was on this list, I thought. Uh, Joel Embiid, Jaron Jackson Jr., Evan Mobley, Kristaps Porzingis, and P.J. Washington. So, with the exception of Evan Mobley, due to it being his second year in the NBA, every single one of those players are due to make $26 million or more this upcoming season. So PJ Washington is a part it, again this is a very this is a specific threshold to me like i very, thought of this, this is a very cherry so pick
1: stat you're correct Right
2: it's not it's not like you know it's like oh 25 point per game scores here's the group like this is very specific but i mean if you limit it to like players that are capable of putting up 15 points a night while being a versatile defensive threat both at the rim and on the perimeter uh like at box score production wise and on like just the eye test so I, I think PJ Washington passes both like he's a part of a group of very high-level players that are also paid very well, and Because Evan it. Mobley obviously is going to be one of those guys that makes that much money too. And I'm not saying PJ should make 26 million, but I think it, it definitely makes sense that he'd want closer to that at least. I think than the MLE where someone like what like Grant Williams got basically. Like I think I do think PJ is probably closer to that group than he is to Grant Williams or like. Look, other I, players that are making 12 million dollars a year or something
1: i get the argument it's a, it's a great great job by the agent okay great job i just want to say thank you thank you uh, any any agency
2: my, that needs a, a, a help <laughs> negotiating which i'm sure they do uh hit me up
1: my argument back is i could take 20 power forwards and give them 33 minutes per game and i think they're putting up the same numbers and that's why like you know, for me, I'd be looking at like the percentages of blocks, you know, scoring efficiency, you know, I take all those things into account. And that would be my argument against it. Like I think there's a, a bunch of guys who, if you gave them the, the role that PJ had last year, would be able to eclipse those figures as well. So I think it was more about opportunity than necessarily straight talent. Um that, that would be my argument against it. But um, we, we need to make a decision here on PJ Washington. Um Look, I, I'm leaning towards what I've heard. If I can do that $19 per year with two years of non-guarantees, I think, I think I'd prefer to do that because he's a trade piece down the road as well and you've got the flexibility for this year. I think I'd prefer to do that than maybe some of the trades that I think we found.
2: Yeah, I think that would be it for me. I think you could do... I think I'd re sign him as well. I think your Washington trade where we get Tyus Jones in return is pretty tempting as well, because that is a easy solution to the backup point guard problem while giving you like one of the best backup point guards in the league. So yeah. you'd flip that problem on its head very quickly, but kind of would create a new one with your I mean, for the first ten games you're starting four, and for after that, like your first big off the bench. Uh yeah, I I think I think we should we should just resign him. Assuming that that PJ is going to take that deal. I think I'd bring him back on that 19 million, the first season with the non-guaranteed two years after that.
1: I think so. I think he's a great trade candidate after that, because you've got someone who you could trade to another team for salary cap relief. You've also got someone who, if you trade them, they're extendable. He's probably extendable off that deal and teams could extend him off that. So you retain value down the line. Now he's probably going to be playing a backup role and this is the the point I've always made, you sign someone for 19, 20 million per year, and then they play 15 minutes a night as a backup power forward. How are they ever going to have great value as a trade partner going forward? But here's the hope here that he gets enough opportunity through injuries, through, you know, maybe he does play some five going forward as he continues to grow and get stronger. And maybe a different coaching staff is in and you get someone who's more open to playing small ball. And then he's got another path to minutes. So, I think that gives you some optionality and flexibility both ways. Um, And like I said, I like that Tyus Jones trade. It's just for me, if he were to walk next season for nothing, then I I wouldn't like that you lose P.J. Washington for basically a rental for a backup point guard and a second round pick.
2: Say we did take that Tyus Jones trade, though. Is there any big on the market maybe that you think could solve that problem that would be created by moving P.J.? Maybe one that uh has already played for the Charlotte Hornets, albeit for a very brief time, but and is I mean, arguably is like the biggest name left on the free agent market in Christian Wood.
1: Yeah, it is the the elephant in the room, which is Christian Wood, um, who his remains unsigned and he's an unrestricted free agent. You know, we know mm-hmm. why PJ's unsigned. It's we kind of know why Christian Wood is unsigned, and it's for all the unsaid reasons around the NBA where He's been on a lot of teams, and no coach or organization has ever particularly taken to Christian Wood. Um, Charlotte, Charlotte have had the opportunity. They literally had him in Charlotte for a season, let him go. Um, you know, They had the opportunity to sign him in free agency a few summers ago. They chose not to pursue him then. Um, they've had various opportunities. They could have traded for him from Houston when Dallas did. Last season of the draft, they were asking price for nothing, and they didn't. So the old regime, the old Mitch Krupchak, uh regime, did not value Christian Wood. But look, if you were to do the Tyus Jones deal, yeah, I at that point you need to bring in some front court depth, and outside of Christian Wood, I like other names I had down with Justice Winslow and Jermichael Green, who are kind of power forward slash small ball centers who could fill a role and are veteran leaders. But do not get me excited. And I have very little faith in them staying healthy and being night in, night out rotation players.
2: Yeah, that's kind of the same deal for me. I was also thinking like, even if you do, you know, stake this Tyus Jones trade, is Christian Wood like he does theoretically replace like the shooting and scoring from PJ Washington, but is he really like the type of big? That I think is good that you think is going to fit well with LaMelo or next to Mark Williams or anything like that. Because on offense, yeah, on offense, definitely. I don't yeah. know what he does on this team at all defensively. And like to no. me, that's a big thing that you want to keep PJ for, or like something he's worse want to than PJ Washington if you're defensively, like for sure. markedly, I think, markedly worse than PJ. Yeah. Watt. Like the thing with him is like he's not a drop coverage big, really. He does, I guess, I'd probably be like his default, like scheme that you'd go to with him at the five but he's not necessarily like strong or like a great rim protector he just has enough length to like collect some blocks he's not a switchable big either like because he's not a mobile like perimeter guy and he's just never had a super high motor defensively anyway so like i i don't think it's a bad idea on the surface but if you have to throw like if you or if you can keep a small chunk of that mle open like maybe give him like eight to ten million dollars of it instead of the full 12 I think then it would be worth it but I just I don't know if you'd want to like just be the only team that's offering him anything more than a minimum just to recoup the the shooting that you lost with PJ Uh, that I think is when is when you'd probably want to like go to the well and just bank on some sort of development from like Kai Jones or JT Thor can just be like your full-time backup four or something like that like That because then at that point, you're at least getting some return on your investment with your former draft picks. But yeah, he's definitely an option. But I, the more I think about it, like the less I am appealing or the less appealing it is to me, honestly.
1: It's just hard when so many coaches around the NBA have just gone, Nope, not for me. Like, like Steve Steve Clifford
2: being one of them, like,
1: (laughs) there's just it's you just have to read the tea leaves of the situation and, and appreciate there's way more going on that we that is all a lot of it off the court um that we're not privy to um you didn't get excited by justice winslow jermichael green
2: <laughs> i actually i i did think of jermichael green i'm i'm i guess i would be a, a jermichael green proponent of like any of the veteran players that are left on the market with like playoff yeah. experience and stuff I he'd probably be like at at or near the top of my list uh, I Will agree. Barton he's he's ring chasing. I
0: think
1: this is the problem. I, I, I didn't think yeah. he's looking to come to Charlotte, but he, he could, he could maybe play a role. Like, uh, I think at oh, times yeah. if he did come to Charlotte in that like veteran leadership role, um, I think he's probably the pick of the power forward slash centers left. Uh, mm-hmm. not that it's any great shakes.
2: What about uh Will Barton? Does that. Appeal to you at all again, not, not really. a back-up point guard, more of like a yeah. secondary ball handler, but just
1: a wing player. I think Charlotte's sat on the wing. I don't think they need any yeah. more wing players, they've got enough that they need to investigate there. Um, okay, PJ Washington's resigned. Chase, let's start this backup point guard market. I'm going to throw some names out. Let me know where you want to go. My scouts have been doing some digging, and here is our short list: 37 year old George Hill, Rahul Neto, the Wolfman, Eric Holland. Shout out. John Wall, um, and then it, for the purpose of this exercise, let's say, let's say one of, and we can choose, we can be kind, one of Devontae Graham or Campaign gets bought out by the San Antonio Spurs. Um, have the scouts done a good job pulling together a list of backup point guard options here?
2: I think the scouts have done a great job. I mean, honestly. Well, other than Teo Maladon, who technically could be converted to a, vet, a one-year vetema vetema, veteran minimum deal off of his yes. two-way qualifying offer, he technically would be an option. But other than that, like, no, I don't. I don't think there's anybody.
1: Should we? Well, should we retain? Should we just? We, that's not been done yet. Technically, Are we retaining Teo For... on a two-way. Do we just do that? Lock it in?
2: I think. Yeah, I think we could probably. I mean, I think it. I don't know. I kind of want to assume that if he wanted to do that, he would have taken it already. Um, like taking that qualifying offer and accepted the two way, but
1: but well, let's at, do this. At Hold maybe on. at let's... this
2: point, well, I think it's fair for us to be able to assume that he will for this. Yeah, exercise, let's lock
1: it least. in, and then we say in training camp, if you outplay whichever point guard we bring in, we waive them and we convert you to be to make the full roster. Right.
2: Perfect. There we go. There that seems fair,
1: but yeah. we still need some competition for Taylor Maladon for that backup point guard position in training camp outside of nick smith and we want to play terry off ball. i think we're both a proponent of that that's where he's been best yep. so we don't want terry to have to play the backup point guard so we still need a veteran ball handler uh where, where do we think we're going here
2: oh, see my heart goes immediately to john wall i think my mind is also following slowly but i just worry that he's just gassed you know mm. like i i think you need somebody that can generate like paint touches and finish at a reasonable rate, like both at the rim and just on, you know, mid range pull-ups and even threes, but not even necessarily threes. Cause we saw last year at Dennis Smith jr. That it works at times well enough. If you can just get into the rim and finish at an efficient clip there, but I just don't even know if John wall is really going to do that anymore. He definitely would be the veteran presence that Mitch has, I think multiple times has spoken about, but in his like most recent press conference, I think kind of veered away from a little bit, but, and obviously a a North Carolina guy as well. So you'd have that, but like, I just don't know if there's anything left there. Like I'm looking up his numbers last season at the rim. Like he has just been steadily on a downturn in volume and efficiency at the rim, like his last two years in Houston and with the Clippers, are two of the worst seasons of his career finishing at the rim. He's still a 30% three-point shooter. Uh, it's got to be like one or the other. And unfortunately, like John Wall, one of my favorite players, like growing up when I was first getting into basketball, but it does not seem to be there anymore for him uh, at this stage in his career. But I th- like realistically, though, is there a better option? Like that's the other question, though.
1: Well, I think it's really tough with all these. I, I think my eyes are drawn towards campaign um but he was like he was legitimately good at times there was a mm-hmm. what was this a 26 game stretch last year where he averaged 13 points five assists 39 percent from three 42 percent from the field that was the start of the year he then had a big kind of injury then came back and he wasn't quite as good but campaign was a you know he had a, some moments in playoff games and uh, the last last couple of seasons not last year but the year before and He's a guy who I still think has something left in the tank. He's still 28 years old, probably 29, partway through next season. And if campaign does get waived, he's less guaranteed money than Devontae Graham, so he's maybe more likely to get waived by the Spurs. You've already got point guard options in in their system. He'd be a guy who I'd consider. Um, I think he's probably my pick of the guys who are left there.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I probably would have to default to just campaign or Devontae Graham, realistically. I, I love me some Devontae Graham, uh, even over the last couple of years with the Pelicans and Spurs, where it hasn't been as, as fruitful, his long-range pull-up shooting. But, I mean, it, I, I'm looking at his numbers now. It has bounced back a little bit. I mean, he on the 25 to 29-foot threes, he's shooting 35%, so a reasonable mark for, like, the deeper long-range threes that really stretch the floor. The ones that we saw like so often when he was with the Hornets just pulling up from above the break, like four feet beyond the arc and making it nearly impossible to really defend all five people on the court at one time. If you weren't going to give him that shot, Uh, I mean, but a campaign, I guess you're right, is definitely the more likely of the two to be waived. That would really be the only eye. Is there any like reclamation project that you think is possible? Like other than Frank Lakina, I guess, would be the option but uh, we already waived him because uh we clearly were not very far in on that reclamation project so is there anybody that like you would have signed in the frank neil spot that we could maybe pick up now to a similar deal
1: no it's, it's yeah. quite frankly i mean yeah I, I didn't think so no one that you could rely on there's not like guys you could take swings on but i think we need someone who's reliable here i think right like, jo- george hill interests me because he was actually decent not so long ago, played for the Bucks and did okay at Indiana last year and you talk about leadership he was one of the most active guys I, I was doing some research for this and there were articles last year where the, the Indiana Pacers coach Rick Carlyle was just praising uh, George Hill as like coming in midway through the season after his trade and being a real leader for that Indiana team and he would come into Charlotte and probably play a similar role um, so George Hill he's getting on now, he's like 37 years old but He is a guy who has been around the league for a long time. He could come in, just run the offense, be a guy who the coach really likes, play probably better defense than most of these other guys. But you might not be counting on him to be kind of an offensive engine every single night. Not not a great creator, distributor, more of a shooter and defender at the guard position.
2: I mean, what are the chances Ty Ty Washington takes a partially guaranteed camp deal for? Our 15-man roster spot yeah
1: he's a reclamation project i just i yeah is he, it he is does it something the hornets mold. can
2: right but is it something the hornets can conceivably like see out to the point of like conclusions where it makes it worth it like are they going to be able to give him enough minutes because that well, is if, if he won other the melo your backboard is uh, but that's true but it, like and this is similar to the problem with ty tyus jones like other than Lamelo, if you get like a Tyus Jones or a Ty Ty Washington, like a small ball handling like pick and roll point guard, you are your backcourt's really small because you just have mm-hmm. Lamelo and then Terry and then Ty Ty Washington in this case, and then you know Nick Smith is your next guy and he's six five but is very thin and obviously Skinny has the length nine, but yeah. is just not you just don't have much size and Lamelo himself is obviously very thin too so you have very very little in the way of size and they're. Teams that are in the, especially in the postseason, that are going to match up with you and just be able to, just like go right through you in that regard. So that it, you just put you put yourself into a stylistic like preference that is not necessarily my preference personally. I, I definitely get it, but it's just hard for me. And I like Ty Ty Washington a lot coming out of the draft, but that it's just been it, so hard Hornish for me over the last like in couple of years
1: situation. I do not think for him, he needs to no, go like to Washington and yeah. you know, I, I think they need someone behind the mother ball who can be someone that even though they'll be backing up the mother ball, the mother ball will kind of respect and look up to, um, right. in terms of someone who's been there. So that's why I kind of tried to side a more veteran guys, uh, like the campaigns, the George Hills, um, okay we, we gotta make a decision here that's uh where you where you where are you putting your uh your money here
2: i think i'm with you campaign i think campaign would probably be my number one george hill would be good too for the veteran presence but i think campaign probably gives you a bit more
0: on a little the more board in the right now so yeah
2: okay. yeah I, I'm, I'm good with with campaign here what, what are we giving him for a contract is is this a a partially guaranteed camp deals like we because the the biannual exception is open as well for the four and a half million if we really wanted to make sure that he was going to come here we could just say one year four and a half million here you go
1: i think we probably would have to do something like that just because yeah. uh i mean he's got he's at 6.5 million non-guaranteed for next year so essentially we're saying that the spurs waive him um yeah i i think you know he he'll be able to catch on in a lot of places about as a backup point guard so i think if you're getting him in charlotte you're having to pay a little bit more so yeah either that that full biannual exception or Look, for one year, you can use some of the MLE and, and sign him. You can yeah. give him that same value, $6.5 again, to come to Charlotte, something like that. E- either way, we can we can figure out the details further down the line. But that makes our roster then at 15, right? We have Taya Mallard mm-hmm. back on the two-way, Amari Bailey on a two-way. Um, we have uh, Campaign back as our back and point guard. PJ Washington returning as a four. Uh, we still have an open two-way slot, do we?
2: A Leaky Black. It'd be Teo, Amari Bailey, and Leaky Black would be the three two-way players currently. I'd
1: feel like waving Leaky Black. <laughs> not, no arguments not that here, we need pal. to take this this uh this podcast any deeper for a a, a third two-way slot discussion. But <laughs> oh,
2: if, if I'm as I'm sure judging if the if the listeners have been with us for a long time, as I'm sure they expected, I have three players written down for exhibit ten contracts to fill out Brilliant. the twenty-one man roster here. Um, so I'm fully on board with waving Leaky Black. By the way, he was outside the top 100 on my board. I thought his main calling card of defense was not impressive at all at summer league. So obviously I'm not opposed to keeping him throughout the season and seeing what happens with Greensboro either. But I had written down that we could actually, we, I, I literally had this exact scenario written down. We could wave Leaky Black, uh, and there is one player who I would specifically target with that open two-way spot is Mamadi Diakite he has made an all G league team and been the all G league defense. I think two years ago, he was been on a two way contract with the Cavs. I think he's also and he spent may have time also in Milwaukee. Yes. I was going to say he's also appeared in, in games with another team, but I couldn't remember who it was, but it was Milwaukee. Uh, he's been honestly one of the better bigs in the G league the last couple of years. He's like six 11 can score and rebound, protect the rim a little bit. Just it gives you a little bit of everything. Um, solid, like, fifth or sixth big man on your depth chart that can basically be the best player on the team in Greensboro uh, in his last year of two-way eligibility as well so you could give him a, a role where it's like hey you're going to be the best player on our G League team and if anyone gets hurt like we actually need you because then Kai Jones is the backup center and Mamadi would be in Kai Jones's role like in the in case of emergency so I think it's actually rarely like we've talked about this, this is the Hornets are not really an attractive situation for undrafted free agents and like two way players anymore because they have so many young players on rookie contracts. But I think for somebody like Mamadi Diakite, it would actually work, and I think he'd be a better positional fit than Leaky Black because you could kind of spread it out like point guard Teo Maladon, off ball guard Amari Bailey, and then you have a big in Mamadi Diakite for them both to play with uh, uh, in Greensboro. So. I'm a, I'm on board with that, and I was it was already on my mind anyway, so I'm I'm in.
1: I just just scout. Let's do that. Let's let's wave Leaky Black, bring in Diakite. Gives us more, like you say, an option if one of Richards or Williams does go down. You're not necessarily just relying on Kai Jones. You've got someone who's played for quite a few years in the G League, a little bit more experience, can play some five. I actually think that's a, a wise move in terms of just like depth generally. So I I like it. I like the move. Let's do it. Um. All right. I think that's pretty much all that's done for off-season moves. Uh, the, the only thing is, are there any big blockbusters out there? You know, these Damian Miller, James Harden trades that are out there. Can can Charlotte get – can we get in on these in any other ways? What do you think?
2: I mean, I feel like that's, like, for fans that are still holding out for some sort of off-season movement, that's, like, the big question. Because the Hornets definitely could get in on something like that. They have the yeah. – the assets, the salaries to match, you know, trade players that could be traded out that could actually help one of these teams that they would go to like, you know, the Heat or the Sixers or the Blazers or the Clipper, whoever it is that's, you know, going to be a part of these big blockbuster trades with Damian Lillard and James Harden uh, and maybe Joel Embiid uh, here as as the rumblings have gotten slightly louder over the last like month. I guess I've seen it on on Twitter a couple of times, but. Uh, I mean it, it's it's basically the only way that the Hornets can make a huge splash like left in the offseason because it's hard. Like I don't they're they're not trading Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, and three first round picks for Shea Gilgesell or something like that, like at this point in the offseason. Like all those dreams are dead. We can just hop on the train that has been sitting at the station waiting to leave for like three months now, but just has not been allowed to do so because uh, the Miami Heat don't have an offer that the Blazers like, but maybe the Hornets can jump in there, or like well, maybe the Hornets could jump in on one of these Sixers trades with, that gets rid of Harden or something like that.
1: And we saw uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, they jumped into the James Harden trade, didn't they? They took on Jarrett yep. Allen. Like the Brooklyn needed somewhere for Jarrett Allen to go. Cleveland took him on, became an all star. They gave up, I think, a Milwaukee first round pick to take on Jarrett Allen. And, and sometimes. Sometimes those are the best things, where like you need that third or fourth team to facilitate, and and they're getting a good value of the deal because they're the only one who can maybe maybe do it. So, but from what I understand, Chase Birdies tell me that they have been a, the the Clippers, the Sixers, and the Knicks have been in touch with you to see if the the Hornets could potentially facilitate.
2: Oh, you are absolutely right because. I have concocted an absolute madman four-team extravaganza that where the Hornets get in on a James Harden and Joel Embiid trade. The Sixers are just blowing everything up here. Daryl Morey's out; he's done. James Harden is off to whatever team he wants to go to, and he, so he can Should say take whatever he want. Joel Embiid's out of there. You want to take a look? Do we want to break it down here? It's a lot for. Uh, a, an audio medium, but I think I've got it in a clear and concise manner so we can see how the Hornets are going to yeah. get in on it here. For those that watch the podcast on YouTube, which I recommend to everybody that's listening, please go watch the, the show on YouTube as well if you want to see James and I's bright shining faces as we explain this absolutely insane trade that has just popped wow. up here. So this is I- a four-teamer. You want to – you got anything, yeah, this James, is. You want I'm just to... saying
1: this is why I like being co-GM with you because you put in the work, right? You, you've been on the phone to the Knicks, Sixers, the Clippers, Hornets are involved. And obviously, we, we don't have to go through every single aspect of this deal. But I'll try and recap it for the listeners. The Philadelphia 76ers go full rebuild. They trade away James Harden and Joel Embiid. In return, they get how many first-round picks? Five first-round picks: Terrence Mann, Emmanuel Quickly, and Terry Rozier from the Charlotte Hornets. So they get two good young players, five first-round picks, uh, Terry Rozier. Um, you know, you could even throw in more first-round picks into here. But if we're going full rebuild mode, uh, this is a a haul of s- some extent. Might need to be a little bit more, but look, there's only so many first-round picks we could add to get this onto the screen. Um, the Clippers, they get James Harden. They get their guy. And they also receive Kai Jones. The Knicks, they get Joel Embiid. So they're obviously coming out of this with their star, a pair of Jalen Brunson. Um, the Charlotte Hornets, they're facilitating to make a little bit of room for James Harden, to make a little bit of room for Joel Embiid. They take on R.J. Barrett and Norman Powell. So to recap for Charlotte, they would take an RJ Barrett, who is four years, around 24 million per year left on that contract. Norman Powell, three years, 80 million per year left on that contract. And they send out Terry Rozier, Kai Jones, James Bucknight, a 2026 first round pick, top 10 protected, and a future second round pick in 2027. So you're losing a key starter in Terry Rozier, but he's being replaced by norm Powell or rj barrett uh you're also losing a future first round pick and a couple of young guys who probably let's be honest disappointed so far uh, chase you are the one who's worked and coming up with this trade uh what did you like about it you know how did how did you how did it come about
2: so i originally was just because when we were researching for this podcast and preparing it was to just make trades right so after I had made all of my Hornets trades, I was like, I wonder what, you know, a James Harden to the Clippers trade even looks like at this point. Cause I mean, we all know what the Damian Lillard to the heat package is. Cause there's really only a couple of them that can even exist anyway. All, like we've discussed them till the cows can come home, but there's a lot more to work with. I think, especially when you add other teams here because the Sixers and the Clippers just have generally more, players to give up that I think are more attractive, both because of their contract situation and like how they play on the court currently, Norm Powell being one of them. When I first was just looking at the rosters, I was like, Hmm, he would be a really good fit with the Hornets. I wonder if there's a way that I could facilitate this trade for the Sixers and Clippers and end up with him on the Hornets. And I eventually, was just going through it because it's kind of hard to match salaries. I I found out for Norm Powell without trading. Basically, it's just Terry Rozier is the only guy that you can trade really uh, or Hayward, but then you can get a little bit more creative when you add the other teams and kind of make it more worth it for both teams rather than swapping two pieces that would play very similar roles in Rozier and Norm Powell. But um, And then you get with the Knicks like and the Sixers, I mean, I should say, They at that point I was like, what What happens if they just completely blow it up? Like, because then you can invite another team. Because I feel like the Knicks are just the obvious Joel Embiid destination right now. They have a ton of picks. They could use you know a long term five to pair with Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. Why not get one of the best in the NBA? And then that kind of makes it easier to bring the big salary players over the Hornets because then you can just move them all, move all of the pieces around that way, and you don't have to send R.J like back to the Sixers or something like that. You don't have to send Norm Powell back to the Sixers. It gives them a way to not take on a ton of long-term salary. The Hornets can take on that salary because they're in a team, that, or they're a team that's in a better position to do so and just want these types of players that can contribute right now and have already been paid like at market value right now. Whereas the Sixers in this trade are just getting Terry, who is a good player, but he's the only guy that there is making above the MLE that they're getting right now. And then they're getting five first-round picks with when trading Embiid and Harden. And then the Knicks obviously make out pretty well here. Obviously they got to give up a bunch of picks, but you get Embiid uh, and the Clippers finally get their guy. And Evan Fournier was the one salary filler for the Clippers too. So that's basically their punishment for not having to give up a ton of picks or valuable players here, other than Terrence Mann really, but is to take on uh, Evan Fournier's salary. But I mean, I thought this did pretty well at, satisfying the demands of all parties i feel like the hornets are probably the the team that's getting a lot here and maybe the clippers too but yeah, i mean, I mean you can, for the you Knick, can tell for the, you can Sixers, tell the hornets
1: fair. have pulled it together <laughs> right yeah for you, sure like oh absolutely.
2: wow two of the better players in the trade ended up on the hornets that's a well but
1: this thing you're a big rj barrett guy i'm not sold that a I lot am. of people around the league look at rj barrett as a great contract after what he just signed and the season he's just had i mean he was you Know not good in the playoffs, getting benched at times, and he's gonna be earning between 24 to 28 million for the next four years. There's there are some questions there. I, I think in this deal, you kind of looking at him almost as a neutral-ish asset. Um, I think my critique would be that the 76ers would need more. I think moving Harden and Embiid, you, you would need to get like an all-star level player back, or you need to get like more first-round picks than any trade in history. So that would maybe be more critique. And then also, I think Charlotte, maybe one of Barrett or Powell, but to kind of have both on board, I guess you know one is, you know that's the Brandon Miller spot that you're that you're playing one of them in for the next couple of years. And how does that work? So uh, I think I think Norman Powell is a guy who, if the Clippers needed for ever reason to move Norman Powell on to take on James Harden, I am sticking my hand up as the Charlotte Hornets and saying, yeah, let's get involved there because he is a a bigger wing. A good active defender can shoot the ball. A good veteran player uh, under contract for three more years, eighteen million. I just think he's like a. I don't think he's a better player than Terry Rozier, but on the Charlotte Hornets, I think he would fit better next to Lamelo Ball. So that's a guy who I would definitely be interested in Charlotte trying to trying to get after if he's viewed as excess for in in LA. All right. Well,
2: I'm glad that my nearly like a half hour of, of painstaking labor was worth it then. Cause I mean, I don't think I've ever added this many players and picks into the trade machine. (laughs) I felt a little bit disgusted with myself when I like first pulled this up and I had to like scroll both down and to the left and right to be able to see the entire thing. So I
1: have to zoom out to get it all on the screen. Right. Right.
2: It's it, it is, it is a doozy for anybody that is looking right now at the screen and for anybody that's listening and fully comprehended that, you are probably <laughs> capable of going into rocket science or or a similar. We'll deal, screenshot
1: so. it. We'll we'll screenshot and put it out on on social media on X, and people can, can go have a look at it. Okay, right. Well, Chase, I think I think our time for the off season takeover is coming to an end. I, I I don't think the deal quite gets pulled in that four teamer. Um, I don't think so. I don't I, know. If I that's like quite realistic. We can, <laughs> we can leak the trade talks and talk about how we would just you know. The Knicks. We just missed out on Joel Embiid by by a minute. You know, we we thought we had a deal, is the famous phrase. Um, but we brought back PJ Washington to a non guaranteed deal. We have signed Campaign, who got waived by the Spurs. We have waived Leaky Black and brought in Diakite for the third two way spot. Um, and I'm feeling pretty good, really. I th- I think we can hand it back to Mitch now. And I think he can be proud of the work we've done.
2: I think so, too. We've got a pretty solid uh, opening night roster here. So we'll hand reins back over to Mitch and, and Steve Clifford here, and uh, we'll get ready for our 82-0 season.
1: All right. Okay, Mitch, don't screw up our team. Now I've set it up for you. And we will catch you next week, everybody.
2: Thanks for listening, guys. See you.